0: Hi there! Welcome to Crazy Good God. I'm Nancy Teague. Thanks for listening. To know more about me, the Crazy Good God podcast, and platforms for listening, go to www.crazygoodgod.org. Please follow me and share these episodes. They really are life giving, jaw dropping good news. The more you listen, the more your jaw will drop. But it Does require some processing because our religious mindsets really do get in the way of the pure good news. To recap the previous episode, number seven, we were in John chapter one, verses one and two, and we looked at who made everything and where the who manifested himself. It really was in a strange place that we just wonder why did he do that? These truths expose the wrong thinking of a distant God mindset. You know, John's letters are all about in, within, inside. And Jesus even said in John 14 20, you all, all of you will know this truth. It will be revelation And it will happen to everyone at just the perfect time for each person. In spite of the fact that darkness continues to manifest in our world, bringing heartache and loss and anger and neglect and domination and control and just meanness, God wants us to know and be encouraged. That something profound is going on in the midst of all this darkness. The light shines in the darkness. That's just so crazy. And as that light shines in the darkness, God is comforting, delivering, transforming, healing. He does things in a very humble, profound way. Now, here's a really good scripture that shows how God feels about light and darkness. And it's the psalmist who got a revelation of what God thinks about light and darkness. Psalm 139, verse 11, 12. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. What a revelation. Oh, that we could get that today. Now, here are dynamics of why the light shines. God so loved the world. John three sixteen. 16. God sent his Son into the world not to condemn or judge it, but to save it and make it whole. John three seventeen. Jesus is the light of the world, the whole big, wide world. There is no darkness too dark for him john eight twelve The darkness of the world cannot overcome the light nor even understand it. It's like the darkness is blind, but that does not stop God from shining and caring and wanting us free, which is the essence of our true identity freedom why would god condemn if he loves the world and his son shines in the dark world now here's a passage that shows god is not into condemning but connecting isaiah 65:24 before they call i will answer romans 10:20 I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. So take heart. Do not fear. Do not worry. The world is a mess. There's lots of darkness. But the light shines. It's just beyond our mind to get that. Do we really understand what John means when he says the light shines? It's a present tense. It's not maybe we'll shine when things get better, or I'm busy right now with a bigger darkness and I don't have time to shine over there, or I'm just waiting for that perfect moment to shine. Or God might say, I'm tired of shining because nobody is getting it or ever will get it. Or maybe he might think, these here people don't deserve my light. After all, look at what they're doing. <laughs> we just have to realize that's not God. That is not God. So in John 1.10, it says he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. But that didn't stop God's eternal plan and purpose to reconcile the cosmos, for goodness sake. So not only does the light shine in the darkness, the light, the word, became flesh. John 14 And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. What does that mean, Jesus became flesh? Traditionally, we say, Jesus became a man so he could die and save those if they would, number one, believe in him, number two, confess their sins, number three, ask for forgiveness, number four, ask him into their heart, number five, make him Lord of your life. And this last step might come later if you're struggling as a believer. Jesus becoming flesh is way more than that. It's more profound, it's more wondrous, more invasive, more inclusive, more identifying, more welcoming for the whole wide world. Not only did John progressively grasp that Jesus was God, as we read through his gospel, but he also witnessed Jesus' suffering, death, resurrection, ascension. John and others truly beheld his glory the glory of the only begotten from the bosom of the Father, from the intimate relationship, a heart connection full of grace and truth. And when they beheld that glory, it talks about in the Greek to mean to contemplate as a spectator, to observe so intently in order to grasp its significance. And I think John beheld a lot. When Jesus became flesh, the word became is that word genemai that i've spoken about before the base of that word is finished when jesus became flesh it's like he finished all of who he was ever meant to be genemai also means to come into being it has to do with origin it has to do with a transition from one point or realm or condition to another a change of place or a state of condition and when jesus became flesh The word flesh in the Greek is sarx, S-A-R-K-E-S. It means carnal of the flesh. It's not anthropos, the Greek anthropos, which means man. Jesus became flesh, part of the weakness that humanity struggles with. And yet he was without sin. And when he became flesh, it says he dwelt among us. The word dwelt in the Greek means to Dwell in a tent to have my tabernacle. God's not into fancy temples and cathedrals and that kind of thing. He's very happy in a tent. And each one of us is like a tent, a tabernacle for Him. In fact, Paul writes in Corinthians about, Do you not know you are a temple of the Holy Spirit who dwells in you? It's like, Yikes! Do we know that? So Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, here's a key word, among. It's always spelled out among in the translations. The Greek word is en, E-N, en. And it properly means in, inside, within, in the realm or sphere of, as in a condition or state in which something operates on the inside, within, in the interior of some whole. So, when Jesus came here and became flesh, he showed up inside of us. He wasn't just walking. Now, granted, he walked around, talked to people, hung out, did all kinds of wonderful things. But he also, in a mystery, was inside humanity. Our mind cannot get that. So, Jesus not only became like our weak flesh, he also dwelt. In us. So much for distance, seriously. So much for asking Jesus into our life. Paul speaks of the treasure in earthen vessels. His body took on all our weaknesses, our carnality, our flesh. And again, without sin. By becoming flesh, Jesus took on man's full identity. In all our confusion, rejections, pain, loss, suffering, grief, if Jesus identified with all of humanity in its carnality, how can anybody believe that some won't be saved or don't deserve salvation? If Jesus did not identify with all mankind's history, past, present future, all of our brokenness, our darkness, our ignorance, our blindness, then he could not save the world. We spoke earlier about God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, to condemn it, but to deliver it, to rescue it, to make it whole. Jesus could not have reconciled the world with God unless he had totally identified, and taken all of our sins in his body. Jesus' fleshness, if you will, declares fallen humanity is not separated from God, and God is not separated from man. They are joined to us through it all. The Trinity enjoys us, even in the midst of our messes. They don't want us to stay in the messes, but they see this treasure. They know what they made in their image and likeness. Now, our focus is so earth-centered, it makes it hard to believe that he could be that nice or that good or that caring. There's a whole other realm that is more real than this visible realm, and we came from that other realm. By becoming flesh, becoming just like us. Jesus showed us he really is all about relationship. And he will have relationship, and he does have relationship with us. And what he's doing is, hey, I've got relationship with you. Come on in. Have my relationship. You don't have to work at making a relationship. Just have mine. Jesus came to show us who we are. You want to know who you are? Jesus is saying, look at me. I look just like you. And I like the way you look. And we can identify with him because he looks like us. There's a commonality. He shows us he's really in love with mankind, with every single person. Even if they're little pistols out there. God goes, I see the treasure, and I want you to see the treasure. Jesus is the one who made all things, and he looks at us and he sees his reflection, even if we can't. Oh, to see the depths of Jesus becoming flesh, and that his light shines in. The darkness, it is profound, and he wants us to get it. Now, episode nine, we're going to thank God for Nicodemus. Maybe you have considered Nicodemus or have your own personal opinions about him, but I think you're going to be surprised about who this person is and what happened to him in his visit with Jesus. So until next Wednesday, bliss to you and never forget, he is absolutely crazy about you.